Can nootropics help you quit weed? Can nootropics help you just say no? Can nootropics help you pass it to the right and not to the left? We're talking all about that in today's video podcast. Let's jump into it. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name's Eric, and if you are someone who is interested in learning more about nootropics, brain hacking supplements, holistic nutrition, then please consider subscribing and heading on over to holisticnootropics.com, where you can download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This guide will walk you through ingredient by ingredient on how to find the best quality supplement supplements, and nootropics on the market today. I made this guide because there are so many poor quality supplements and nootropics being sold today that I felt there was no other choice but to educate people on the specific ingredients to look for to avoid in products so that you can find the best quality supplements and nootropics to put in your body because a lot of these products, they're filled with fillers and excipients and preservatives that can be toxic and lower the quality of the product you're buying. So you can download that guide over at holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into today's exciting topic, all about nootropics for quitting weed. So I'm making this video today because this is a topic that really hits home for me. Um, I'm someone who I have a long history of smoking marijuana, using cannabis, as they say nowadays. And I find that despite what you hear about the health benefits of cannabis and how it's a medicine and blah, 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 it's good for you and this and that and the other, and it's become so so socially acceptable that, you know, myself along with a pretty big subset of people are often finding themselves looking for ways to quit weed and often finding that it can be a bit harder than you're led on to believe. Um, Nowadays, using cannabis has become so socially acceptable that, uh, you know, like where I live, there's cannabis dispensaries on, I mean, almost every corner. Like there's almost as many cannabis dispensaries as there are McDonald's. In fact, I think where I live specifically, there are more cannabis dispensaries than there are McDonald's. In fact, I know that, which is pretty crazy to think about. So cannabis has become so... Um, the use of it has become so common, so out there in the open for a long time, man. It's crazy because, you know, when I was in my heyday of, of using cannabis, it wasn't really something you talked about. It was kind of something that, you know, you kind of kept on the DL and you had to like find a dealer and you had to be super secretive about it. (laughs) And nowadays it's just like, man, you could just smoke it on the corner and then you could pass it to your grandpa and he'll smoke it. I mean, I knew things were off the, you know, were out of control when I went to a dispensary with my dad and we walk in and my dad's buying weed. And then there's just like a dispensary full of old people buying weed. So everyone's using it now. And that's not necessarily a good thing because, um, along with everybody using it, that's including younger kids. And, uh, I'm going to get into in a minute why that is a huge problem. So, um, you know, what I've noticed in myself is that I'm actually better without it. Am I quitting forever? I don't know, but, um, I often find myself quitting a lot and then falling back into it. I feel the withdrawal symptoms. Um, you know, if I'm not using it, I think about it a lot. Um, and I don't think that's good. In fact, I think that's, um, you know, I think that's what they describe as an addiction. So despite what they tell you, cannabis is pretty addicting. And I know because there's people who smoke every single day, and then they will convince you that they're not addicts, but they really are. And if you're somebody who wants to, who needs help quitting, 
I totally feel your pain. And I think that what I'm going to discuss in this video will be very beneficial for you. So let's talk about cannabis and brain health. I'm talking about this because, uh, because although you've been led to believe that, you know, cannabis is, it's bad for your brain. It kills brain cells. That's what we've been told for so long. There is a lot of nuance to it. That's not necessarily incorrect. In fact, if you're somebody who has smoked cannabis or used cannabis for a long time, you probably feel as if your brain has lost some brain cells. And in some ways it's kind of true because what they do notice in long-term cannabis users is they do notice cognitive deficits and they do notice smaller hippocampal volume. And the hippocampus, that's your main learning and memory area of the brain. So you don't want to lose volume in that area. You don't want to lose brain cells in that area. Um, and there have been some studies measuring this. So there was one where they studied um, cannabis use, long-term cannabis use in 1,037 individuals who were 45 years old who were self-reported long-time users um, for many years. And what they did find was that there was an IQ decline from the time they were children up until midlife where they were now. And they had followed these people for a long time. So they were checking in on them. I don't know if they were specifically um, studying them for marijuana use. I can't imagine they were, but they were probably following these people for whatever whatever they were studying um, all the way back from the time they were seven. So they checked in on them at different ages. So they, uh, they checked their IQs at seven years old, nine years old, 11 years old, and 45 years old. And they checked on their um, cannabis use from uh, different ages between 18 and 45. And what they found was that there was a decline in IQ from childhood to midlife. Um, the mean was about five and a half IQ points. I think that's pretty bad. Um, poor learning and uh, poor learning and processing speed relative to their childhood IQ and informant reported memory and attention problems. Um, and this was all independent of alcohol and tobacco use. So basically what they found was that they had attention and memory problems and lower IQ. The interesting thing is there was another study that was done that measured neurogenesis. So this is another thing that THC is known to have an effect on. Neurogenesis is the, is the phenomenon that enhances brain-derived neurotropic factor. So this is a factor in the brain that really, in short, creates more brain. Uh, it, it increases synapses, synapses, it increases neurons. Um, it's kind of in charge of that whole, when you learn a new skill, this is kind of what puts it all together, a long-term potentiation. What they found is that THC can decrease neurogenesis at low and high doses. So um, specifically here, they measured it between uh, 0.5 milligrams and three milligrams. You have a decrease in uh, neurogenesis, but then one and a half milligrams, you have an increase in neurogenesis, biphasic, right? Or I guess it would be like, this. Okay. So again, a lot of, a lot of context of the idea that weed kills brain cells, uh, chronic, uh, cannabis users. We're talking about THC, by the way. Um, we'll get into, uh, CBD here in a moment, um, may experience structural damage to the CB1 rich areas of the brain, including the hippocampus, amygdala, cerebellum, anterior cingulate cortex, and THC neurotoxicity leads to shrinkage of neuronal cell nuclei and bodies and reduced synapse number and brain connectivity issues similar to those seen in neurodegenerative disorders. And like we said, it can affect memory and brain reward systems. Now that's in younger people. So um, we're talking about like the 18 to 45, 18 to 50 year old crowd. But 
cannabis use in older people actually seems to be more positive. Um, THC use in older people seems to better modulate myelination, especially when that time is known for uh, demyelination. So, um, you know, as you get older, your nerve cells start to kind of die off a little bit. They demyelate. Um, THC actually enhances myelination. So it strengthens your nervous system. Um, And cannabis does promote better connectivity in the aging brain. That's actually very interesting. Um, And then of course, in young people, you do see higher odds of developing schizophrenia. In fact, two to three fold higher. So like I said, the reason why I'm doing this is because, um, you know, do I think smoking weed is bad? Do I think THC is bad? I don't think it's bad per se, but I don't think it's something that, you know, younger people should be using. I don't think teenagers should be using it. I don't think even younger than 25 because your brain's not fully formed while you're younger than 25. Now, I would be a hypocrite if I said that you shouldn't do it, because even though I just said you shouldn't do it, because um, I did it, lots of people I know did it. Um, that's kind of the heyday for smoking weed, but people have to know, like, if you're smoking a lot of weed bef- you know, while you're young, especially in like your young teenage years, and you just continue to smoke weed, you're kind of going down a road where if you are prone to schizophrenia, it could it could pull that trigger a little bit more than you want it to. In fact, in this study here, two to three times higher, two to three fold higher. So what are some nootropics that are good for quitting weed? I've got four different ones here to talk about. And, um, you know, the first one might not come as much of a surprise to you, and that is CBD, cannabidiol. And as you know, if you're somebody in the cannabis game, you probably know about CBD at this point, but it does have major neurological benefits or has many neurological benefits. It can slow the onset of ALS. It's great for um, epilepsy and seizures, and it's good for pain and anxiety. Unlike THC, of course, it's not psychoactive, and that's because it uh, it activates both the CB1 and the CB2 receptors, but it does not, does not hit the CB1 receptor as hard as THC. Um, and if you are using THC, you're going to get a much better response by combining it with CBD because CBD can protect against THC neurotoxicity. So it kind of counteracts some of the structural and functional damage that you get from too much THC use. And, you know, I know that there are, now it's kind of a little bit easier to find like those, um, you know, you can find uh, like cannabis that is like a pre-roll joint or like a vape or something like that that has like a one-to-one cannabis to CBD ratio. I know you can get those in edibles. So if you are, you know, looking to taper down your weed, but you kind of need to, you know, methadone off it a little bit, um, using a CBD alongside THC can be very beneficial, especially when it comes to helping the damage done by THC and helping against the withdrawal symptoms that come. Now, before I talk about the uh, two of the other nootropics here, I want to mention a compound called ananamide. Anandamide. So ananamide is a naturally occurring endocannabinoid in the brain that acts as a signaling molecule. And like THC and CBD, it does bind to the cannabinoid receptors such as CB1 and CB2, and it modulates various neurological processes, including mood, appetite, pain sensation, and synaptic plasticity, which is crucial for learning and memory. Uh, has a very similar action to THC, although it's not psychoactive. Um, so uh, ananamide is a, is one of the two major endocannabinoids, um, along with 2-AG, which is uh, another bioactive lipid. So like THC, ananamide is a CB1 agonist. 
The interesting thing, and the reason I'm telling you this, is because they've studied anandamide, and what they find is that the more THC that you have in your body, the lower your anandamide, and that's an issue because anandamide is correlated to different cognitive benefits. So um, lower anandamide actually correlates to higher anxiety and cannabis withdrawal symptoms. So you want to be able to have higher amounts of anandamide in your body, because that's what's going to naturally bind to the CB1 receptor without THC being there. When THC comes in, THC kicks out the anandamide, and it starts banging on that CB1 receptor, and then that's where you start getting more anxiety and more of the addictive properties that THC presents. So the interesting thing about anandamide is that, like I said, you want more of it, and it's metabolized by something called fatty acid amide hydrolase, so FAAH. When it's metabolized, that means that means FAAH gets rid of anandamide. You want less FAAH to have more anandamide. More anandamide is going to make withdrawing from THC and lowering your use of it much easier. So there's two substances that can help with that. The first one is oleoethanol amide, which um, like anandamide is an NAE. It's a fatty acid produced in the small intestines and it's a derivative oleic of oleic acid, which is the major fatty acid found in olive oil. Um, it's similar to anandamide, except that uh, it has an opposing mode of action. So they have very similar um, molecular structures, but anandamide is something that promotes hunger and uh, OEA is something that uh, promotes satiety. And so, um, you know, in the brain, this has an interesting mode of action in that OEA can actually enhance neurogenesis and BDNF expression in the hippocampus. So while THC is lowering that expression, OEA is not only uh, not only boosting, uh, I'm sorry, inhibiting FAH, boosting anandamide, but it's also reversing some of the damage, some of the cognitive damage that you're going to experience from too much THC use. Um, so you're getting more BD, uh, BDNF, more neurogenesis, specifically by um, uh, through the receptors, uh, tropomyosin receptor kinase B and C in the hippocampus. So um, you're also going to get better memory formation because this boosts long-term potentiation. So big, big benefits in the brain. Um, and you can buy OEA. I'll put a link for that down in the comments below from, uh, from some companies. The other compound that will, uh, that can work to boost anandamide is palmitoyl ethanolamide. And so, um, this has been shown to inhibit fatty acid amide hydrolase, so FAH, uh, and enhance anandamide. And you can also buy that. I'll put a link to that down in the comments. One more nootropic I want to discuss for you, uh, that actually has been shown to help with cannabis, uh, withdrawal symptoms is L-theanine. So, um, L-theanine has been shown in a study in rats to stave off the deleterious effects of long-term chronic weed use. So if you're somebody who's kind of tapering off and you want to, you know, help out with those, uh, negative effects in the brain using L-theanine will do with that. And it can also help with withdrawal symptoms. And L-theanine is a natural, a natural stress reducer. It helps anxiety. It helps with sleep. Um, so it's a great product for that. So 
This is kind of a short list of nootropics that I have found that help with um, cannabis withdrawal, that help with quitting cannabis, um, that can do things like, it's not going to give you a cannabis-like high, but they're going to kind of fill that void that you're going to get when you start quitting. Um, And I would love to know if you know of any other nootropics or supplements or foods or beverages that are good for this purpose. Let me know what you think down in the comments below. If you are looking to learn more about all things nootropics and brain hacking, head on over to holisticnootropics.com. Um, That's the end, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.